Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask you to forgive us of our sins and shortcomings. Lord, I ask you that you will bind every spirit here that is not of you. Every demonic spirit, every foul spirit, every lying spirit, every deceiving spirit, every spirit of untruth, Lord, I'm asking that you get it out of the way, Lord, that your people may hear. For those whose eyes they can't see and ears who can't hear, I ask that you open them, Lord. I ask that you remove whatever distractions may be here. Lord, I'm asking that your presence be strong and your Holy Ghost be here with us, yes, bringing Lord. edification and power to your group, to your people. You are a holy and righteous God, Lord, and we be blessed with your presence. May you all be eventually vessels fit for the master to use, like only you can do, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so, um, you know, we're going to do a little recap before we get into the lesson, but, um, you know, so far with, you know, this ministry, we've been, um, you know, we've been going about six, seven weeks now with... Um, these Bible studies, and the first one that we had gone into was called um, Body, Soul, and Spirit. You know, that was um, one of the first ones we went over and how important those are, because when you look at man, he is made of three parts. You know, everyone knows about the body because you live in it. You know, you use it every day. You see it all the time. When you go into the soul, you know, that is your mind, your will, and your emotions, those, those two things you have no problem figuring out because you know how you feel when you, know, when you, know, you don't feel right. You know what you look like. So um, the spirit itself is one part that very few people know about. You know, um, it takes a higher level of consciousness to be able to relate to it, but it's important that we do become aware of it because the Lord deals with us in that place. So, you know, um, I'll give you an example of how it goes. I'm not sure if everyone knows about Solomon's temple here, but um, in, in Kings, you know, it had an outer court, it had an inner court, and it had a holy of holies, most holy place. Well, that structure of Solomon's temple was built exactly to accommodate us, you know. That's why when uh, Paul says in Corinthians that you are a temple, your body is a temple of the Lord, that's exactly what it really is in more ways than one. Yes, it's a place that houses the Holy Ghost when you've accepted Jesus as Lord, but it's also a real temple as to where it has the outer court, which is your flesh, the inner court, which is your soul, and then there's the most holy place. As you become aware, you know, of these three areas, you know, you go through three different stages. One of them is world conscious. You know, when you're in the flesh, you can't help but be world conscious. You care about the things of this life. You care about things that are on television. You care about things that have nothing to do with God, and it's how you live your life. Before you come to the Lord, it's almost like you have no conscience. You know, you just do what you have to do. When you become 
the next stage is self-conscious. That's when you're in your soul. That's when you may experience things like regret. When you recognize that there are things about you that are not exactly right, that you want to correct, that you want to do better with, you know? And then when you really come to repentance, which is, you know, I use the three words. It's, um, you know, re regret, remorse is the word I meant to use for soul. And then there's repentance. A lot of people never really, you know, when they think they'll say that they've repented, you know, of a lot of things and they've accepted Jesus, what you find is a lot of people haven't. Because in order to repent, you have to be God conscious. All right. You know, you have to be in the spirit. When you worship him, it's in spirit and in truth. You know, it's not in your flesh and it's not in your emotions, like a lot of people think. And so, um, you know, you have the regret. You have the remorse, which is what you feel about you. Regret is what you feel about, you know, other things. And then you have the repentance is what you feel you've done to God. You become God conscious in that point. When you begin to make decisions in your life, you're also going to think about how they've hurt God. Are they right? I have to seek God for everything that I do, you know, because I want to be right. It's when you recognize that you can't live without him. There's another three that goes with body, spirit, and soul. There is, um, if anybody's familiar in here with the story of Exodus, when uh, they were leaving Egypt, Moses brought the people out of Egypt. And then, you know, they wandered in the wilderness for a while, and then they went into the promised land. Well, that's also, also type metaphorical for, you know, bondage, you know, Egypt, religion, the flesh, you know, when you're there, when you get to the soul, you know, you're in the wilderness. You know, you jump into, uh, you, you try and seek relationship. You know, you're, uh, what's the word I want to use? It's like you're, uh, you're really seeking to get to the promise. So if you look at that story in Exodus when Moses led his people and they went across the, the Red Sea, one of the experiences that people have is a lot of people get baptized and they come to the Lord. Now that's water baptism. That's what that Red Sea represented when they crossed. Is if you notice, they got away from Egypt, but their problems were not yet fully dealt with. You know, they were in the wilderness trying to work it out. I believe that that's where most people are when they've accepted the Lord and they seek a relationship with him. You're in the wilderness. All your kinks are not exactly worked out. The Holy Ghost has got some cleaning to do when there are things that need to be fixed with you, you know? So that would be your soul that you're in. You're working your way out to try and get to the most holy place, the spirit, you know, the promised land, the, the holy, you know. Um, so, you know, that's the other thing. And when they were in the wilderness, if you notice, they had to wait. They weren't ready. They turned back out of fear. Forty years they wandered in the desert. But when they left there, you know, they crossed that Jordan River. Very few people understand that even though you've been baptized by water, that's for, you know, purification. That's for identity to recognize that you're turning away from your old life. But a fire baptism is what they experienced when they went across the Jordan River into the promise. Fire baptism, decreasing in your flesh so you can increase in the Lord so that the Holy Ghost can have more reign over what you do that you're more willing to the Spirit, you're more obedient at that point, 
You know, your thoughts in many cases are not your own. Neither are your words because you're seeking the Lord for that. You know, so, um, yeah, the fire baptism is a level that you get to when you are one with the Lord. And I believe that's what, you know, I'm striving for because um, I don't think you can really do God's full will unless you get rid of certain areas that we'll go further into. So that was one of the things that, I mean, does everyone understand so far, or is there anything that needs to be cleared up before we go to the next stage? Is everyone there? Okay. Um, the next stage is, um, you know, we talked about pride. You know, we talked about how um, pride makes it almost impossible for you to come to certain truths and understanding because if you already think you know and you already consider yourself full, right. then it's almost impossible for God to do anything with you or to show you. Have you ever met those people where they're so proud and no matter what subject you bring up, they know it? Astrophysics, oh yeah, I know about that. Let me tell you about that. You know, no matter what it is, they know about it. So, you know, that's a proud, and in a lot of ways, a proud spirit because no one can know it all. But God himself hates pride, which is what made me examine myself. It made me really look at me like, you know, I can't pretend that I know anything. You know, I have to be empty so I can be filled. I'd rather be a fool to this world and pick up the knowledge of God. So that way I'm able to do all the right things with my life. So, you know, um, that's what we talked about pride one week. You know, we went into another um, where we talked about emotions can sometimes bind a person. Emotions have a way of keeping you from what you have to do sometimes. And it's clear that the Bible makes clear that we're not led by them. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit. You know, um, when the Bible mentions um, natural, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Lord. And it talks about that only the spiritual man does. If you look that word natural up in the Greek, it means soulish. It means, um, you know, carnal, fleshly, that which you see with your five senses. And, you know, for most people, when you use your five senses on, that is your reality. But there's a greater reality even to those things that we don't see. How do we know this? Even if we were to talk science, there's atoms, there's the wind that you don't see. There's so many different things on other levels that we can't cope with with our carnal five senses. So um, when you become more God conscious, you start to take notice of things. That third place, you know, that a lot of people don't know is the spirit. So, um, yeah, have you ever had to make decisions in your life and things that you needed to do? Have you ever noticed that, you know, sometimes your emotions bind you? It can be an old relationship, a friend that you know is no good for you. But, you know, you might, your mind may tell you, hey, I need to get out of that situation. But your feelings will say, you know what, we grew up together, even if they are no good for me. I want to keep them around as a friend. And, you know, a lot of the times we'll make these wrong decisions and look what happens to us. So, you know, we have to be willing to be able to get past feelings. You know, and today what we're going to talk about is the strong man. You know, what a strong man is, is, a, is a pretty much a place that's set up that we develop sometimes with our feelings, with our flesh, with the things that we desire the most. They keep us from 
getting to know God. They keep us from doing the right things. They keep us from being whole. You know, while a lot of people may say, man, I feel like I try and talk to God, but I don't hear anything. You know, a lot of the times God will not speak over other things that you're worried about, other things that you're interested in. You know, when you seek him, he's going to catch you in your quiet place. Okay, now you're ready to hear my voice. Now you want to know what it's about. But many of us have to be brought low before we can get to that point. You know, you notice we never really fully seek him at times until we're down in the dumps. When we hit rock bottom, then we recognize, hey, you know, my own strength, my own knowledge, my own wisdom is what put me here. You know, but when you seek the Lord, he'll never see you at the bottom with nothing. He's going to take care of all of your needs. So um, with that being said, does everyone understand so far? As far as the strong man, we're going to get into it. But as of right now, let's get into Luke chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 14. We're going to have a look at the strong man. What was the scripture again? I'm sorry. Chapter 11, verse 14. And again, you know, much of what, you know, I'm going to speak about. A carnal mind will have very difficulty in understanding. So I'm trusting in the Lord that his spirit is going to bring edification here that others will understand. And what I mean by that, when we start at verse 14, you know, he says, and he was casting out a devil. They're speaking about Jesus here. Now, a lot of people would say, well, you know, it doesn't really mean that because that's not the type of thing that. I see going on anywhere, but, you know, it's something that happens, and a lot of churches would be offended just by reading this verse, but this is what the full ministry was all about, so this was a normal thing that we've gotten away from. Verse 14, and he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb, and it came to pass when the devil was cut out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. So here was a kid that was uh, came before Jesus that was mute, you know. Now, most people would say when you grow up that way, um, well, you know, he just never could talk. He never had that ability. You know, maybe his vocal cords have been damaged or that's just the way that it was. But here, you know, it's very clear that there are spirits that can keep you from speaking. That's what the Word of God says. So where a lot of people would consider disorders today... You know, in the Bible, they were actually calling demons. So he cast this demon out, and the child was able to speak. And it says that the people wondered. They marveled. They had never seen anything like this before. Okay, then he says, uh, But some of them said he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. Now, you know, the chief of the devils, of course, was, um, it's another name, Beelzebub. It means... 
you know, Lord of the Flies or Lord of them that fly. So it's another name for Satan. And yeah, it's then, sorry. Yeah. Um, <coughs> will you describe who the um, Beelzebub was? Yeah, well, Beelzebub was another name for Baal. It was another name for Satan. You know, it was a name that um, was used. It was also supposed to mean Lord of the Dunghill. So it must have been someone very low and defiled. So yeah. he was the Lord of them that fly, is what you would get in the Greek or the Hebrew. You know, so that's what it means. So um, in order to really go into that teaching, we would have to go into Genesis 6 and other things. But um, are you clear so far? Or No, I'm good. Above was? Okay, does everyone here get that so far? Okay. And others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, uh, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself, I mean, against a house, falleth. Now, um, you know, when he cast out this devil, they were talking about he cast out devils by the hand of Beelzebub. So what this would be considered right here is a strong man. A strong man is a core belief that you might grow up with, that you may have been taught, that you have accepted as truth, but it's not exactly truth. You know, it's something like if you were to say, you know, I don't want to offend anyone here, but let's just say that, you know, you're trying to encourage people to get closer to the Lord, and you may say something about a celebrity that this Christian might like, but the celebrity himself is obviously not a Christian. So let's just say we use Beyonce as an example. Everybody loves Beyonce. Hey, but she's overrated, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, but let's I just Alicia Keys type of cat. <laughs> uh, she's pretty corrupt too. But you know, the thing is, is like if you were to say Beyonce is someone that, you know, she's not of God, you know, she believes in a lot of things that are contrary to the word of God, and you're speaking to another Christian that sees this. But they'll tell you, hey, you know what? I was with you for a minute. But now that you're talking about Bay, uh, nah, you know what? Um, you're going to have to calm that down because that's my girl. When really it's like deep down, Bay doesn't even worship your Lord. But this is what people are divided by. They're, they're divided by things that they like. Yeah, Jeff? This is going to say, aren't they, uh, isn't it proven that they're like Masons or whatever? Absolutely. Uh, her and Jay-Z. Yeah, yeah. Jay-Z is, yeah. sure. When you go into that world, Hollywood is nothing like you think it is. It is totally satanic, you know. you got to do research to see what some of those things are. But, you know, there are people I've talked to about Oprah. Now, everyone knows that Oprah is a new ager. You know, she doesn't believe in Jesus. She doesn't care anything about him. But let us say something about it, and you'll get a backlash. Hey, I was with you there for a minute, but when you spoke about Oprah... Now my ears are closed. Now I'm more focused. I don't want to hear what you have to say because you offended Oprah, who was a great friend of mine that you never even met, doesn't even know you. But that's that's an example of a strong man. A stronger um, example would be, you know, I, I don't really want to dig deep into religions, but, you know, in this particular case, in order to make a point, some things may need to be said. But let's just say we're talking Catholicism. You know, let's just say that we're talking about Buddhism, Hinduism, or anything like that. But let's just say Buddhism um, or Hinduism, you know, you go into and you may say, hey, you know, I found out the truth about this. And, you know, let's just say Jesus 
you know, really was Lord. And if you look in history, it shows, you know, everything that you want to hear. And what you'll get the backlash is, you know, hey, well, my grandmother was a Roman Catholic. Okay, so now you're stepping over the, you know, these boundaries. You're going way too far now. I don't want to hear what you have to say. This is offensive to me. Never mind you being right. That just went out the window. So, you know, the strong man is used by the enemy to build strongholds to keep the truth of God from getting to people. And this is why you think that you can hear people, or you think that you're using plain English to explain yourself, but, you know, in, in reality, these people can't hear you. And I can prove it. Let's go into um, Isaiah chapter 6. Jesus actually quoted this and he spoke about it. But um, there's a reason why, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people can't really hear you. You said Isaiah, right? Isaiah chapter 6. We'll start at verse to understand about Israel in the Old Testament, it's like a type of church. You know, the children of Israel were God's people. The church today is God, you know, we're God's people. So there were a lot of things that he said to them that apply to us that we have to follow. You there, Jake? Almost, sir. Okay. But, um, All right, we're good. okay. All right, so, um, he says here in verse 9, and he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and, um, oh, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, uh, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, um, and be healed. Now, if you look here, you know, this is God saying to shut their ears and their eyes, but not because this is what something that God wanted to do, but God also, because he recognizes the beginning from the end, these people don't want to hear anyway. How many times have you ever tried to bring the truth and you keep thinking that you'll go back and get more information for this person? Now that you've done all this research, surely they're going to accept what, what I'm going to say. Not only, you know, did I expose Beyonce, you know, and I got that out about what she's really into, and, and I exposed Catholicism, and I exposed so many others that, you know, surely they're going to see the truth now. So they'll thank you, you think, and they'll be happy to go along with it. But what happens? That person builds a stronger hold. Now they want nothing to do with you because you brought truth. So now they're upset with you because you just ruined or, or interrupted what they wanted to believe. So that's a strong man when you see stuff like that, you know. Um, they have so much pride. Exactly. They can't. Exactly. And I think that there are people that really can't see. You know, I believe it's just like when you're in math class and you'll have people say, you know, the teacher will present the problem. And you'll hear people say, you know, 
I just don't see it like that. What they're saying is they don't understand. But see, sometimes with a carnal mind, a fleshly mind, a worldly mind, you don't understand the things of the Spirit. There are times, even in the flesh, you don't even want to seek truth. You ever tried to just bring someone the truth and all they feel is, hey man, you know, you're ruining my world. I like these people, I'm going to keep listening to them, and I don't care what you have to say about it. That's a strong man. So that's what we're going to be getting into today, where they come from, why they do what they do, and why we hold on so tight to these things. Instead of accepting the truth so we can get it right, you know, it's just like that girlfriend, you know, that you tell that you saw her with another dude. You saw her man with another girl. Go and tell them the truth, depending on who that person is, and you see what happens. They'll accuse you of being jealous. You're jealous, you know, because you've ruined their world. Go ahead, Tina. So what's the difference between a stronghold and a strong man? Well, the strong man is the individual that, you know, pretty much house the thoughts of the individual. You know, they, they work on your emotions. The stronghold is really us. You know, it's the, it's so the barricade. So one is like mental and the one is like in, well, I'm sorry. No, it's cool. They're, they're both spirits, but it's like the stronghold would be your emotions. The strong man would be the demon that housed those emotions, if that makes any sense. See, uh, I think a hard reality for a lot of Christians, too, to recognize, and I don't really want to dig too deep into it, is people don't believe that Christians themselves can have demons. Well, the fact of the matter is they can. Absolutely. Okay? You do have the Holy Ghost in you when you've accepted Christ, but there is work that the Holy Ghost needs to do to get rid of that stronghold. And that's why, you know, you'll see, we'll keep reading in 11, um, Let's go to Luke 11 again. We're going to finish up with that. And then we'll... Because uh, he's explaining the whole process here. Okay, I think we were in 17. They accused him of being, uh, um, you know, uh, pretty much a heretic. You know, that his power didn't come from God that it was supposedly some demon that they believed that he was calling upon to make these things happen. Yeah, eleven seventeen. And by all means, for those who know the word, you know, um, let's try and help each other out when we can't find certain scriptures. You know, that way we can move a little faster. What are you looking for? Um, I'm at 17 right now. <laughs> 11, 17, Luke. Everybody there? Okay. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself um, is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself, I mean, against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall uh, his kingdom stand? Now, a lot of people would look at this here, and they're like, okay, well, this doesn't have anything to do with me. Actually, it does. You see, because if someone's bringing you the truth concerning things that are against God, and we call ourselves Christians, and we stand for that particular thing that is not of God, the Bible says, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? That's something to recognize, you know? And, and a lot of people will say, well, no, I, I like her music, but I'm still a Christian. I still accepted Christ. But you got to understand in that there's another spirit 
behind that. And Jesus says that we can't serve two masters. You can't have two. You can't one minute say that Christ is Lord, and then you go over here and you're here. Because the truth is, is that you're also worshiping another spirit, which the Bible tells us not to do. So, see, if you're in agreement with something that's not godly, then that tells you right then and there that you're actually walking with another spirit. That's the type of stuff that needs to be worked out in us, and that's how strongholds are built. This is why the strong man still has some reign in your life. Why? Because even though you may love Christ, you're still accepting the things on the other side. And Jesus here is saying, a house divided against itself can't stand. So if Satan's kingdom can't stand if it's divided against itself, neither can you. Neither can what you believe and what you hold strong to the Lord can be, um, can, can stand. It's impossible. And this is why people, you know, they fall when they, uh, and I'm not going to say we don't fail, we do. But part of our failure is we've never let God take the wheel. We're in this place where it's like, okay, I want to be here, but I want to be here. You don't think this side is going to eventually start to corrupt your thinking or it's going to pull you away from the word of God? It's going to pull you out of the spirit of God? You know, but we want to have both. And, you know, I'm not saying drop it all. I'm saying that's a process that the Holy Ghost over time works out with us. He works on that conscience. He touches you in that place. When Jesus said, deep calleth unto deep, that means, you know, spirit to spirit. But why many of us don't have the relationship with the Lord that we want is because we will not allow the Spirit of God to dwell with our spirit. Why? That soul and that flesh is blocking the way. It's keeping, it's shutting off the spirit from really working with you because your thoughts are not like the Lord's. Want to say something? Oh, no. Okay. All right, so we'll continue reading. Does everyone understand that or anything they want to add right now or... Well, okay. Um, okay, if Satan also, oh, if Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub, and if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? So, you know, you look at this here, there were people that were believers, you know, that were actually doing the will of God. You know, but I also believe here that there were people that were also going into what you would call an agreement. That's a whole nother teaching. But what a lot of people think goes on in Catholicism, because there are people that I know that have been in that realm. They think that when you call a Catholic priest over to your home, that when he does the exorcism, that he's casting out a devil. Now, a lot of people would feel like, OK, if some Catholics are not Christians, how would they be able to do that? Well, I'll tell you how. It's called going into an agreement. They don't exactly cast out the demon. They go into agreement with the demon, you know. And um, I, I really don't want to go too deep into that, but that, that's for another study. But not everybody can cast out devils. Only those that believe in the word of God, that were given the exousia, which is the authority of God, you know. So every believer has the right to do this. And like I said, that's another teaching, but I'm just trying to get to the core of the strong man. Does everyone understand so far? All right. Um, yeah, cast them out. Therefore, shall we be your? Shall they be your judges? But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace. 
his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusteth and divideth his spoils. So they're talking about two different things here. You know, they speak about this strong man being well armed. This strong man is ready to deal with anything that comes its way until a stronger than he comes. That strong man, you know, they probably have supportive arguments for evolution. You know, um, they've studied this stuff and they'll say, okay, well, um, if a Christian comes with this, I'm going to say this because this is what I heard. This is what they mean by the strong man being armed. There are some people who have defensive arguments against the word of God because of the fact that they might have studied in the world for so long. It's just like people that know their religion from front to back. You try and tell them, they have an answer for it. That's because there's a strong man that is armed, that is ready for that type of attack. But when Jesus says, when one stronger than he, meaning who? Yeah, Jay. Probably a stupid question, but no. it just popped in my head. Could yeah. God be considered a strong man too, in a sense? Well, God is God. The Holy Ghost, I do believe to answer your question will fortify you and cover you in the armor so that way you can stand attacks that are outside of the kingdom of God. Okay, if that makes any sense. So that's what the armor is for. But the enemy also has his armor. So that's what the strong man of the stronghold is. When he says one stronger than he comes upon him, you know, everyone knows who that is. That's the Holy Ghost. Okay, so they're saying that with the Holy Ghost that these things can be moved out of a person's life. And I believe at times when you get through to people and when you bring the truth and they see it, it's, it's miraculous intervention. It's nothing we've done. We're presenting the words that the Holy Ghost is speaking through us that gets to the core of a person that will make them, even if they haven't accepted it, they'll at least question what it is that they're learning. You know, hey, am I, could I be wrong? You know, that's when your spirit is pricked. That's when, you know, there's a place where you're supposed to, you know, I mean, where you will eventually begin to see things in a new light. So there's some truth that comes in. So everybody understand that so far? All right. Um, let's see. He that is not with me is against me, and he that scattereth not with me scattereth. I mean, gathereth with me not. I mean, gathereth. Gathereth not with me, scattereth. So in other words, you know, if you're not doing God's will or you're not in the fight with the Lord, if you're not doing the will of God, then you scattereth. You know, there is no in-between. You hear people that will tell you, you know something, I'm a good person. But, you know, um, I don't have to believe in, you know, God. And I believe that I'm a, a good person. So why should I have to do this? But see... If God's word is true and his will is what we're supposed to do, that person that says that I'm a good person can even steer others away from the truth by accepting that they're a good person, which makes another person think, you know what, I'm a good person too. I don't have to, you know, go according to this. So if you're not on God's side, you really are on the side of the enemy. And it will learn over time there is no middle ground. And I know that might have leaped over some heads in here, but there's no middle ground. What you'll eventually see when you do enough research, you go into history, 
you go into science, you go into politics, whatever the situation may be, you'll begin to recognize that those lines will start to divide. You'll begin to see, hey, you know what? It's not even about this, that, and the third. It's actually this versus this. So that's what will eventually be brought to fruition when you, when you really study and you get this awareness. One thing about the Holy Ghost is he will not leave his people ignorant. If there are things that we need to know, he's going to share with you. He's going to have you give you knowledge, but it comes upon your maturity. Why a lot of people don't accept a lot of truth is because they don't want to hear these things. You know, and there's something to be said about that when they don't receive the truth. Okay, so uh, we're going into uh, 25. And when he cometh, he findeth it's, oh no, it's actually 24. This is how the process goes with people that are um, trying to find their way. You know, I would call this the wilderness. This is when, uh, you know, even times for me when I'm in the wilderness, you know, I find myself headed back towards Egypt. And see, that's why we have to examine ourselves to see if we be in the faith. It's good to give yourself a test every now and then to see if you're actually following the Lord. Did I do right today? You know, did I, were my words right? Were my thoughts correct? These are good things to, to evaluate with yourself so that way you don't head back. Because what we tend to do when the Bible says a little leaven, leaven it the whole lump, we get puffed up with pride, just like the bread does. And we start to think, man, I've got this, no problem. But see, when we're like that and we drop our guards, we can be easily deceived. We can start to head back towards Egypt. We can start to head back to the flesh. You know, then after a while, you find yourself not worshiping at all. Okay, so this is the process. Verse 24, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. You know, so, you know, when we have accepted Christ and uh, we notice that there's a nature change. There's the type of music you listen to. There's things in your life that you once loved that you now can't stand. You want nothing to do with it. It's unclean. It doesn't feel right. You know, when you do sin, because Christians occasionally do, they do, you know, like anyone else until they found the spirit. But they begin to have a conscience behind the sins that they commit. You start to feel like, man, you know, this isn't right. When at one point it was how you lived. It was what you did. So, you know, the unclean spirit has gone out of the individual. Now the person is empty, probably full of the Holy Ghost. Because they've accepted the Lord. And that's the only thing that actually gets rid of unclean spirits. But he says to himself, you know, um, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Does anyone here know what that means? When the, when the spirit, the unclean spirit comes back and finds the house garnished and swept. Good, sir. Um, it's clean, but the the unclean spirit, when he comes back, he's looking to see if there's a Holy Ghost there. So you might have been clean at one point, but the demon's going to, he's going to double back to see, okay, does this person really have the Holy Ghost in him or not? Right. This person would have, um, you know, accepted Christ. But again, you know, as, as new believers in Christ, it's important that they get the sincere milk of the word and the meat, because when they don't, 
you know, and they're left to themselves or they're not walking in the spirit. This is why you take a test. Because just because you're feeling free of certain sins that you committed now and things that you no longer do, you have to examine, hey, am I on track right now? Because that spirit will come back, look, yeah, there's no Holy Ghost here. You know, let's see what happens next when you do that, when he does that. He says, um, he goeth and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So what he's talking about there is that's what you find when, you know, um, some spirits, that lets you know right there there's a hierarchy. You know, not all spirits or demons are the same. Now, I know when I mention demons, you know, people, hey, what is he talking about? But this talks about a different hierarchy. This is why some people go to comedy clubs. Some demons like to make you laugh. Some demons like to gamble. Some demons like to lie. You know, some demons like to fornicate. But then there are other levels of demons. This demon likes to kill. This demon likes to rape. This demon wants to steal, wants to hurt others. So when a person, and I've witnessed this, when a person has come to the Lord and given their life to him, and they get left out there alone, or they're no longer following the Lord, or they think that they've got it made, many times they'll find themselves back in the world. Like, um... You know, well, I have accepted the Lord. I'm sure I could watch a couple of bad videos and, you know, it shouldn't have any effect on me. But eventually the demon will build his stronghold up again and it'll be more difficult to get that individual to come back to Christ. You know, so this is something that um, is an experience that a lot of people go through. And, um, you know, so this is what um, I'm not sure if anyone doesn't understand that. You know, if you need more um, explanation, I'm willing to do that. It's not a time issue for us. We want everyone to understand what this is about. You know, don't feel left out like, you know, well, if I say I don't know, then maybe they won't, you know, someone's going to think something. So is everyone, yeah. I was going to say, like, uh, I guess maybe an example I could use yeah. would be like um, if you're a recovering drug addict or alcoholic, and the last thing that you want to do when you're recovering and you come to the Lord is go back to that, you know, right. and you you arm yourself with the full armor of God. You stay away from it, you know, just like me, I'm a, you know, I was an alcoholic for a couple of years, you know, well, longer than that, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I never wanted, once the Lord, you know, came into my life and he took that away, I never wanted to do it again, but don't you think that the enemy doesn't try and get me every now and again with it, you know? And it's just like, of course, I'm not going to go back and do it, but <coughs> the devil's going to get you where he can try and get you. But I'm sure you've experienced some times where, you know, you said, I've been clean for two years. Yes. Let me have a, you know, there, there should be nothing wrong with just a sit now. You there's know, I mean, you know. I've had thoughts. I won't lie. There's been times I have thoughts, and right after that, I say, Lord, rebuke the thought, and it goes That's away. That's right. You know. Good job. But right. think about it, you know, if if you're not, I mean, when you start out, and you start out right, you start out, you know, in the Word, and you may be going to church, or maybe you know, even in Bible study like this, and you're constantly going, and you're constantly going, let's just say after a while, you know, you think you got it down path. And you're like, you know what, I don't have to go to Bible study every week, or I don't have to go and be around those who believe all the time. I can do it, you know, and it just can be me and the Lord. And, you know, and that may be a, may be a possibility, but why would you want to risk it? 
You know, because then all of a sudden, some friend that you knew way back when in your past all of a sudden calls you up. Hey, you want to hang out? You know what? I'm really interested in the Bible tonight. Can you come over and let's talk about it? Before you know it, they got a countertop set up with whatever drug that you did. And now you're just walking yourself into the situation. Or maybe they're not even, maybe it's not even that obvious. Maybe it's a little bit more subtle. Maybe you actually walk into the door first. And maybe that friend, you know, talks to you more and more. But if we're not clean and we're not sanctified, if we're not transformed and you go back and you, it's not to say you can't witness to somebody, but you got to have the Holy Spirit with you, especially if you're going to witness to somebody that was from that life, you know, because yeah. if you're not strong in the Lord, they're going to, what's that demon going to do? He's going to try to jump right on And you that's good. why when you come out, you're still in your soul. Mm -hmm. You're still natural. You're still natural minded because even though you know you should depart from that friend, you stay because that person is your friend. I feel bad. If I leave, I may hurt their feelings. Not recognizing that you're running for your life. You are fighting for your life when you try and get clean and you want to be in the world. I mean, you want to be outside of the world and you want to follow the Lord. That's a walk that too many of us have taken for granted. It's the grace of God that we're able to be outside of some of that stuff and heading towards the promised land. So, um, yeah, she's absolutely right concerning that. If you're not strong enough, there's things that you won't be able to do to win another person over. And this is why some people get discouraged and they head back towards Egypt because the walk they feel is just too hard for them instead of gradually moving along, you know, and the Bible says that when your obedience is assured, then you go after the individual. Why? You're going to be full of the Holy Ghost. Now you can go after people. Now you won't be shaken in your faith. So we're going to go to Luke 4 and 14. Does anybody have any questions? Oh, all right. You know what? I would like for you to go in a little deeper um, on <clears throat> the seven spirits coming back. Um, I was just praying, and, and like, for example. Um, what do you mean the seven spirits coming back? Where, right here. When it, right here where it says. Um, Oh, the seven other demons. Okay, yeah. yeah, go ahead. So when he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. So once... Once... Okay, I'm just trying, trying to... All right, I'll give you more, an example. So it's more like when we've been delivered or set free from something and we go and we pick it back up intentionally. Right. Knowing that God has set us free. Well, not intentionally we, realizing we're not walking exactly in the spirit. Well, yeah. with more so with this one. We're talking mm. about with this one. And then we, when we know we've been set free and we go back to whatever that element is, you know, the repercussions aren't going to be much worse. Right. The outcomes are going to be much worse. Right. Especially that you know that you've been healed and you've been delivered and set free. And we run right back to us. But one thing the enemy cannot do is he cannot create new stuff himself. He can only mimic. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And so he's going to, if those same tricks are working to make you slip and fall, he's going to keep coming in that same area of weakness until we get stronger in that area. And it's like, boom, now you got to come with something else because that's not working anymore. You know? Right. It'll so, have no effect on you because of the fact that you're, you've become stronger. Satan does not change his tactics, okay? Um, if he had something on the past that worked with you before, he'll do it again. 
Why change anything when the old tactics work just fine? Why even try and switch it up? You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Satan knows this. But as far as the seven demons are concerned, yeah, you know, he's fortifying that house. And, you know, this is why a lot of people, like I said, when they get housed again for the second time, that even though they know the right way, they feel like they don't have the will to continue that way. Why? Because shame sets in. Mm, Because guilt sets in. Because hurt sets in. I'm worthless again. I went back into what I was. Is there any hope for me now? When at one point there may have been hope. I mean, there's still hope. But I'm just saying at one point, you weren't even fighting those thoughts anymore. You were beginning to live in victory. You were beginning to live clean. But once you went back, now you're like, yeah, I wonder if God would even accept me now after all that I've done. You know, so see, you got more to battle your second or third or fourth or fifth time around. But eventually, and I'm not saying as a Christian when you come to the Lord that you're going to stop everything that you do. I would be lying to you if I told you that. There are some that they do catch fire and they live for the Lord. There are some people that literally are so afraid to go back into their sin that they'll continue to live for the Lord. They'll grow. The Holy Ghost will work with them faster. They'll use the spiritual gifts. They'll win souls or whatever their journey is. But then there are some of us, and I say us because I know that 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 was me. And that, you know, you backslide, you know, because you kind of are like in a toss-up. I know I want the Lord, but this sin is so good to me, I can't give it up. And, you know, you live with that guilt. And then you try and fight to get free. And as you start to live in victory for, you know, a couple of months, and you go back, and then you, oh, boy, when will I ever learn? Here I am again. So now you got to fast. You pray. You do things to get yourself back. And then you slide right back in. And the Bible calls it a dog, you know, returning to his own vomit. A pig wallowing in the mire. Going right back to the filth that you were in. You know, so the Bible, the Lord knows that we backslide. And this is why we have grace. The grace is not to sin with a license. It's to eventually get it right. You know, that's the timetable. That's what it's about. It's also about your free will. Absolutely. You know, the Lord's not going to violate, and I know he's spoken on this before, the Lord's not going to violate our free will. So giving up that sin is also about if we're ready to give it up, too. You know, right. Are we ready to let those demons go? Because we know what they do to us. You know, we know the thoughts that enter into our mind, but do we entertain them, or do we just, you know, we, we have the Lord rebuke those thoughts out? So you just took me back to about nine years ago, and... Um, there was this little girl that was possessed, and and uh, yeah, good. After, after the uh, the demon was removed from her, she was like, "Where is he? I miss him." She was like five years old, you guys. But she was like, "Where is he? I miss him. I want him back." With that being said, is we get so comfortable with the stuff that we have in us and on us that we almost don't know how to act without the dysfunction being part of our being. Absolutely. But that's a lie from the pits of hell because God will fulfill and restore, you know, that we don't need to hold on to that stuff. But it's crazy. And not only just the spirits, just just the a lot of stuff that, that we just, you know, hold on so tightly to. But, Lord, I got this, I got this, instead of just releasing and letting it go, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, because Tina brought this up and we went deeper into it, this may bring a little sharper understanding. Um, There are four different levels of 
you know, demonic influence. You know, one is depression. The second is obsession. The third is hold oppression. Depression. Uh, obsession. The third is oppression. And the fourth is possession. This is something I should have had for an earlier study because there was a debate that broke out, you know, amongst the group because, you know, I wasn't really clear on what this understanding was. Depression means demons residing, influencing outside the body. So in other words, when people feel depressed, when you don't know what's eating you, when something just doesn't feel right in your life, that can be outside influence. But see, depression, if it's not dealt with, will eventually lead to obsession, which is when you begin to partake in the sin. There's no sin that happens to you just outright. You don't fall into sin. You go under the influence of demonic oppression, or I mean, or demonic uh, depression that eventually leads you to sin. Now, some people will, you know, it's funny when some people get on their knees and they pray to the Lord for forgiveness, and they'll say, Lord, I didn't mean to do it. Stop right there. That's a lie. Okay, because you entertain the thought, you know, you continue to think about it, and you eventually began to, and you eventually went to it, and you did it. But, Sorry, um, not to keep on the drug and alcohol thing, but just like with, you said, depression, and then... Obsession. 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 You said it's from the outside, and then it worked its way in, and you right. the influence. Right, that could like, even be peer pressure. Well, yeah, that can be like friends with, telling you to do things. Right, Go that's ahead. just like with drugs, too, because you take it from the outside, and then eventually you're under the influence of the drug. Right, that is, that's a good example, as that step is, and then, you know, there are others, but you go into obsession, it means demons residing in the flesh and actions. So, okay, this is where, you know... Wait, I'm sorry. I thought I said obsession was partaking sin. What obsession? Yeah, it is partaking in sin. Okay. And this, is, this is the action. This is where your thoughts are no longer governing. This becomes the choice that you make to do it. And most people know with most sins, you know, anyone had trouble breaking any sins, whether they be sexual, you know, narcotics, alcohol, whatever, you know. But eventually, you become obsessed with it. You, be, you become obsessed with, you know, smoking. You become obsessed with drinking. You become obsessed with lying. You become obsessed with, you know, fornication. You become obsessed with lots of different things that you wouldn't normally, you know, had you not entertained those thoughts or decided to partake in the sin, you wouldn't have those issues. Okay? The third step is, now remember, this is, again, spirit, I mean, you know, body, soul, spirit. Oppression is demons residing in the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay, this is when your obsession becomes something that you just can't get away from now. You know, now you're in that place where, hey man, this thing has got me. I need help. Okay, I can't, I am a slave to my sin and I cannot find a way out of it. When you go to four, possession. That's when demons reside in the heart and in the spirit. When they're in the spirit, that's when you find those movies, you know, leave me alone, you know, and all that. That's when it's a different level. That's when you are one with your demon. That's something that doesn't happen all the time, but there are people that are possessed where you no longer control your thoughts. Now, this can be also good in some ways because the Holy Ghost doesn't depress you but he stays on your mind to do what's right. Obsession, you begin to love the Lord. See, it can even work for you. 
you begin to love the Lord and you start to do everything around you, your music, the way you start to dress, you know, certain things just begin to change it. Oppression, man, you know, I just can't get enough of him. I got to tell other people about it. Mm -hmm. What we want to be is possessed, possessed by the Holy Ghost of God. When you are one with God, when he can speak to you, when he can speak through you, and he and you can do the things that he calls you to do. He now, in that state, and I hate to say possession, but what I mean by possession here is owned by the Lord. When you are owned by the Lord, you are one of his. He can use you. He trusts you now. He can send you into that crack house to deliver the gospel. He can bring you out on the street corner to talk about sins that a lot of people commit. And, you know, the police may show up or whatever because of certain laws. But you know what? You'll stand there bold. Why? Because you have the Lord. His thoughts are now yours. You know, you stand bold. You believe. So that's a level that you want to get to because when people speak of spiritual gifts being manifested, this is when you get the power of God. This is when you see blind eyes open. This is when you see the dead raised. This is when you see, you know, the deaf able to hear. This is when you can touch people with your hands and you can heal them. This is what you want. This is the power of God. Now, I know a lot of people may think, yeah, right. Hey, I've used, I wouldn't say I've used all of the gifts. I would say that I've had the exousia, which is the authority, the ability to cast out devils, the ability to lay hands on a person and pray for them and the person's healed. But what I want is the dunamis. There are two words in the Greek for power. Exousia in the Greek means authority. You have the authority of God. You're an ambassador for the Lord. That when you say something in the name of Jesus, that things will begin to happen. Demons pay attention. They back off of you. When you have the dunamis, that is the living power. That's where we get the word dynamite from. Dunamis, power, real power. Okay, so everybody understand that? What was the four things called? Possession. No, 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 I got it written down, but you called it the four what? What'd you call them? The depths of, of demonic influence. Yeah, she wrote the it The four depths of demonic influence. Yeah, four uh, types of demonic influence. Okay. Yeah. Got I'm it. glad that we went into that because um, earlier when you were talking about um, how Christians can... Um, be influenced by demons. Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. Like I agree with that, um, but I know that Christians can't be possessed. Absolutely, and you are correct. So I'm glad that we went into the dimensions. Right, that is a level that a Christian cannot get to. But what can happen is, if a Christian keeps going the wrong way, they will go through these steps. Right. You know, and that's why you have some um, witches that I've heard about. John Todd is one of them. You know, he's dead now, but. He said Christians are the only people stupid enough to play with the Ouija board. He said because the the witches know that there are demons housed in that board. Oh, yeah. So you want to get possessed. That's one of the fastest ways to do it. You know that you'll eventually get influenced and eventually, you know, find yourself possessed. So, um, you know, one thing Satan has learned about his people is they already know that you can't cast a spell on a Christian. Witchcraft, the demonic world has tried. You cannot cast a spell on a Christian that is living the life. But what you can do is you can get a Christian to cast a spell on himself. It all begins with your will. They will tell you in the occult world that rock music was not designed for your entertainment. 
It was designed to put demonic influence in your life. A lot of these corrupt movies that we watch, hey, you know, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, I know I shouldn't have been watching this, you know, but Tony Montana, Scarface, I love Tony Montana so much so that I wanted to start cursing like him. If I would have eventually, if I would have eventually gone that way, you know, I might have done everything Tony Montana did. This is what these movies and things do. You know, they will influence you to do negative things. That is the only purpose for them. When you really start to seek the Lord, you begin to recognize that there's nothing here in this world that will make you right. You will not be fulfilled by anything that is outside of God and his will. That is where we become complete. This is where we become cleaned up. But let's go to, um, we're there now, um, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. This is Jesus in the temple when he was uh, speaking about the book of Isaiah. But it says in verse 14, And Jesus returned in power of the Spirit into Galilee. Now, mind you, Jesus returned in power. That word is dunamis. Jesus didn't perform one miracle until he received the Holy Ghost. Until the Holy Ghost descended and fell on him, Jesus didn't perform one miracle. You know, that's something that we have to recognize. If we want to do a complete work for the Lord, we have to get stronger in the Lord. Believing is just not enough. You can believe, but that belief is going to bring you into deeper depths of the Lord. I believe the Lord, so I'm not going to do these things. I believe the Lord, so I am going to feed the poor when I see them. I believe the Lord that I'm going to love my brother, that I'm going to do what he calls me to do. God doesn't make requests. He makes commandments. And that's why in a lot of ways following the Lord, we have to see ourselves as soldiers. We have to be soldiers in this thing. Now, I know everyone loves the churches where you got the gold chandeliers and the red carpet and, man, you can just feel God in here. The real story is God's people are at war with the devil. God's church should be at war with the devil. All that is not right in this world that we know that God stands against, we ought to speak out against. Now, am I saying do that right away? No. You get full of the Spirit of God. But the point here is that Jesus returned. When he returned, it was in power. That word in the Greek is dunamis. Okay, so, um, yeah, he says, in power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought, uh, brought up. And as his customs was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for, for to read. And there was delivered unto him a book of the prophet Isaiah. So he was reading from Isaiah. It says Isaiah's there because that's, uh, you know, what Isaiah's name would be in the Greek. And when he uh, had opened the book, he found a place where it was written. And the spirit of the Lord is upon him. I mean, is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Again, what we recognize here, he's been anointed by the Holy Ghost. There are a lot of people in the office today that weren't appointed. They just call themselves pastors. Teach they call that. themselves right people here. that, you know, oh, well, I know the word. I should be teaching and, you know, this and that. But you have to be anointed and appointed to do what the Lord calls you to do. 
You have to be. And you know what? Everyone in here, you follow the Lord, he has a gift. He's already given you certain gifts, you know, but they're without repentance. So even if you don't choose to follow him, his gifts are real. How do you know this? Whitney Houston was blessed with a beautiful voice. You know, she was raised in the church knowing the Lord, but she chose to go and sing for the world. And, you know, hey, the devil doesn't love anybody. Okay. He, he uses you. He'll take what he can from you. When it's all said and done, you got to pay the piper. You know, I, I feel bad for what happened to her, but the gifts that the Lord give us are without repentance. Whether you follow him or not, you have that gift. But the anointed gifts, you know, that you want to have are the ones permitted by the Lord. We all have one. He's called apostles, pastors, evangelists, teachers, and prophets. This is what his body is supposed to be doing. But so many people think we're just supposed to sit in a building in theater-style seating listening to one man for 40 years. We eventually have to grow up. Once you've learned, the church is only meant to get you involved in that ministry, the fivefold gifts. Apostles, they're the head of the churches. You know, they're people that, um, you know, they pretty much act in all five offices. They're a little bit of each, but they are there to hear from God, correct what needs to be done, you know, and they are appointed by God. The prophet, you know, a lot of the times when you act in terms of prophecy, you know, it's, it's really a touchy place because they hear from God, you know, they live in some ways isolated lives, but, you know, it's tough because you can come to conclusions without evidence, but you know that you know that you know. He's like the guy that you would see in the uh, ship, and he's like up in the crow's nest, and he's looking, and he can see ahead of everyone else. And a lot of the times you'll come to these conclusions, and you'll tell people, and people will say, man, you don't know what you're talking about. There's no evidence of that. But the Lord will appoint you to be able to see things ahead of time. You know, you have um, evangelists. They're usually known to be the type to blow in, blow up, and blow out. They win souls. That's what they love to do. They go, they speak to people about the Lord because they're anointed. They save people by the thousands. Leave town, go to another town, win more souls. You know, you have the pastor who is supposed to be a father. That Greek word, pater, family, father. You know, he's the guy who takes over the church. The church is his baby. It's an extension of his regular family. That's right. You know, when you have the teacher, see, it's funny that the Bible describes those two together. Teachers and pastors are the same. I mean, they're not the same, but they operate in similar offices. You can be a teacher and not be a pastor, but you can be a pastor. You can't be a pastor and not be a teacher. You have to have a teaching um, anointing to, to be a pastor. The teacher himself is interesting because he has a tendency to break things down to the lowest common denominator to where it's a plainness of speech. There's like a verse that would seem very difficult. He breaks it down to where everyone can understand. That's not an easy thing to do. There are a lot of people that may know the word, but they couldn't tell you how it applies to you. They can tell you what it means, but they can't bring it to a level of where you understand. So that's where the anointing has to be upon an individual that lives in that office. So we're all called to do these things. You get closer to the Lord, you may be one of the, you know, you may be an evangelist. You may be a pastor. You know, my dad used to tell me things, and this is what I mean by being world conscious. 
But I used to love my pastor so much. Everything he said, man, this guy was on fire. You know, he had a degree upon degrees. He knew everything in the Bible. And my dad said to me, he said, you know what? Maybe you should just follow the Lord. And I'm not saying don't follow a pastor. But my dad was saying the Lord has something for you. Maybe if you follow him, who knows? You may be as good as him one day. And I'm like, no, I understand what you're saying, Dad. But (laughs) this man knows so much. I never dreamed that I would have an understanding of God's word and a thirst to learn more. I never thought that I'd be sitting in front of a room of people being able to explain this stuff. The Lord has a purpose for every person here. And we can act as individuals, but we're also a body. We're connected. But we don't have to be up under one another all the time. It's great. Iron sharpens iron. But those apostles, even when they disagreed with one another, they went their ways and they still did the work of God. Mm -hmm. And I think the churches are suffering because this reality is not mentioned to these people. They think that I can sit in church for 40 years and, you know, if if you have that mentality, it's great if you're doing God's will and you're coming back. That's great. But just to sit there and be edified by one man, I mean, it almost saps your strength. Jesus. You ever seen those people in church after 40 years? They're just sitting there, dried up like a leaf, no life in them. And they have their own, they have their own row as well. They sit in the same spot for 40 years. Yeah, you know, and there's nothing wrong with the church, but the body, when it breaks from out from the pastor, we're supposed to be doing the ministry of God. We're supposed to be making our election sure. We're supposed to be doing the will. Jesus says, anyone that doesn't do the will of my Father will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's how important it is. And you find a lot of people, I may step on a strong man here, but you may find a lot of people be in church in 40 years, and when they're done, they are going to hell. I hate to say, say that. that though. That's the truth, but though. they had no relationship. Remember when people say on that day, Lord, Lord, you know, what is it that... Um, you know, we've done all these things in yeah, your name. He said, away from me. I never knew you. So so even though some people may cast out devils and they do certain things, you still have to have a relationship. Got to hear from the Lord. You got to know him. So this is something where... Oh, you going to say something? No, oh, okay. Correct. Right. So this is where we uh, break down um, what the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord has us do. The Spirit of the Lord, this is verse 18, uh, is upon me. Uh, Because he hath uh, appointed me, I mean anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to uh, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. So when you have here, you know broken hearts. How many are brokenhearted? You know walking around right now. That's a strong man. That's a place I've been so hurt, I'm never going to trust anyone to hurt me like that again. Even God. I don't have any trust. That's a strong man. When the Holy Ghost was upon Jesus, these were the things that he did. He healed the broken heart. He opened blind eyes. Now, that can be the dunamis, you know, where a person really couldn't see, and then they eventually can. But it also means for those who can't see that won't accept the truth. That's a miraculous move that the Lord makes in a person's life. I don't know why there's some people that when they say things, they make them more believable. You could have heard things from other people a hundred times. But there's something about the way this individual is speaking that's getting to everyone that needs to hear it. Why? The anointing is upon him. 
He has the power of the Holy Ghost. He's not acting in his own words. He's acting in the power of the Lord. So that's what makes it more believable. But see, when we are in our fleshly thoughts, what do we say? We'll bring someone to the Lord, and then you tell someone later, oh, man, I see, I was on fire. You know, I, you know, me personally, I mean, I was telling him this, and I told him that. It didn't have anything to do with you. You were just a vessel fit for the master to use to get to that individual. And see, the weight of God's kingdom is down, not up. You're puffed up with pride, he can't use you. When you're down, lowly, waiting to be filled, humble, that's when God will exalt you and raise you above men. I mean, not above men, but to men. Okay, so, you know, them that are bruised. The Bible says a wounded spirit, who can bear? There's a lot of things that keep us from getting to the Lord because we're bruised. We're hurt. We're wounded. What God wants to do is take that hurt from you. He wants to set the captives free. That's what he wants to do. This is what we're supposed to do. He preached to the poor. How many people are doing that? You'll find a lot of churches today, they're so self-righteous, they'll see a homeless person on the street, won't give them anything. And then the excuse that they'll use for it is, oh, he might be on drugs. If I give him something, you know, he probably will go and get high with it. You know what? That's not our call. We obey the spirit of the Lord. You know, perhaps you saying it in kindness, even when people want to thank me, no, praise the Lord. Thank Jesus, not me. I'm not the one that has it. If I didn't have the money, he didn't give it to me or provide a way for me, then there's nothing I could have done here. So you give him the glory, and perhaps that may touch a person to make them want to come to the Lord. You know? Anybody want to say anything? <coughs> I almost am thinking to go to Isaiah 61 and finish the, the, the full scripture. All right, what do you got? I got six. Uh, Read it. It's cool. Mine's, mine's new, our new King James, so it's going to be a little bit different. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Um, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Amen. Does everyone understand that? I mean that does bring more... um more truth to um, what we were just explaining because, you know, that's what he wants to do with every individual. But, you know, now I know some people are wondering, okay, well, since you told us who the strong man is and everything that he does, how do we deal with him? Okay, so one thing we're going to go into now is we're going to go into Second Timothy uh, chapter 3. There's actually quite a few ways. But, Towards the very uh, end of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Second Timothy what? Chapter 3. It's actually, uh, let's see. No, it is Second Timothy chapter 3. Everybody there? 
right before Titus. I actually want to read this because this is, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, something like, uh, well, this is actually going to um, explain the church. And then I want to go into 1 Corinthians 6, 9. So we'll go there next. But um, here it says, this note also, that in the last times, perilous times, I mean, the last days, perilous times shall come. For men uh, shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Jesus. without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. How many people are seeing that today? Oh, yeah. Despisers of those that are good. You stand for the truth, you know, and something's wrong with you. Even in your own family. That's right. Uh, traitors, heady, you know, meaning people that are puffed up Haughty. in pride. Huh? Haughty. Yeah. Uh, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof Jesus. from such turn away. You know, you go into a lot of churches today, you probably won't hear a lot of stuff that we're talking about now, but they want to tell you that the gifts of the Holy Ghost are done away with. They will tell you straight out that there's no such thing that they can be done. That was the Old Testament. These things don't go on. Well, I can testify myself that I know they're real. One through use and the other from seeing it being done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is having a form of godliness. Everyone wants to look nice in the church and say all the, the good things, you know, and I love Jesus. But you deny the power thereof? How do you do that? How do you deny the power of God? That's like saying, you know, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. I'm going to put it in my mouth, but you don't have to light it. I'm still smoking it. I don't understand how you do that. I don't understand how you, um, and, and it's actually blasphemy too. So sometimes we got to be careful when we don't understand. Make sure, you know, just be quiet until you have understanding. Because if you talk about the gifts of dead, one thing people need to understand is Jesus said, that those that deny the power of the Holy Ghost or blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you know, that they won't be, uh, what is it? They won't even be saved. And, right, but they'll also, that's an unforgivable sin. That's the one that the Bible really tells you outright. If you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, he says you can blaspheme the Father. You can blaspheme the Son and be forgiven. But if you, Why don't you explain what blasphemy is? Well, blasphemy is speaking against God or that which is holy. You know, it's really like... Give an example. Well, well I, do you want to well, explain it? Oh, okay. Good. Blasphemy. Um, well, I was reading, doing some studying, and I came on these scriptures about these two gentlemen who uh, in... Uh, what was it at? I'm going to forget the scripture. Um, but they had... Uh, they were teaching a false doctrine on the Christ's second coming. And um, Paul, the apostle Paul, had to deal with them. And, oh, it was in Second Timothy, actually. And uh, their names were Elias, Philetus, Philetus, and Alexander. And Paul actually had the authority to give them over to Satan. So the, and the verse says that he gave them over to Satan so they would learn not to blaspheme. So they had actually, by teaching that false doctrine and by, you know, going against what God's word said, that, that was blasphemy right there. You know, that's a form of blasphemy. Um, yeah, it's to go against God. It's to belittle God. It's to deny God. I mean, that that's blasphemous, is when you are 
pretty much saying that he's nothing. It's like belittling God. And that's why, you know, when people get healed, hey, I've seen some phonies out there, but I'm slow to speak about what I'm believing just took place. Why? Because Jesus said you can blaspheme the Father and the Son and be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you won't be forgiven in this life nor in the one to come. Okay, which means, you know, the end, the, the, the judgment. And, you know, the Lord gave me um, some revelation as to why that is. Because you would say, well, you got the Father, and then Jesus is the Son. But if you look at the way that it plays out, the Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Holy Ghost. You blaspheme the Holy Ghost that's speaking about Christ, you deny Christ. If you deny Christ, who was the way, the truth, and the life, you deny the Father. So, see, it goes right back up the way that it came down. You offend one, you offend all three. You know, and, and that's the way that it goes. So I understand why you won't be, I mean, yes, the Holy Ghost, you don't blaspheme. He is the power of God that the uh, Bible describes. He's the apple of God's eye. But the thing is, is to deny him is to deny Christ. To deny Christ is to deny the Father. There is nothing for you at that point. Because he's here to do the job while Christ is not here. He's the one that's keeping everything in order. He's the one during the grace period giving everyone chance after chance after chance. So to deny him or to blaspheme him is saying, you know, well, he doesn't even exist. He's nobody. And if you guys don't believe me, go to blasphemychallenge.com. I'm not saying to go and participate in it. Pray about it before you do it. But there's a literal video that they have on the Internet that people are, they're daring people. This is the uh, Rational Response Squad. They're daring people to go on this site and to say, I deny the power of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Ghost. I actually had that video. I'll, I'll send it out to you know a few people that want it. But people are literally doing this, and they think it's a joke, not recognizing that they're telling you to do this for a reason. <laughs> Obviously, there's a reason why they want you to do it. And you got people out there that are doing it. But I believe that God and his love and his mercy, for those that may have participated in it, he still understands that you didn't know in your ignorance. But if you know what you're doing and you do that, mm -hmm. hey, you know, that's between you and the Lord. But, you know, his word is, pl is plain. So everyone understands having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You know, not doing the will of God, not even believing in the will of God. For of this sort, they are they are which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away by diverse lust. You know, what you find in a lot of churches, you know, they'll talk about um, a lot of these ministries are supported by people that are driven by their emotions. Uh, let's go to seven. Um, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, that's something right there where... Your people sit in church 40 years. You know, amen. Praise Jesus. You know some of the Bible, but did you know that you were supposed to have a relationship with him? And then when you try and tell people that, that's the strong man. That's the strong man that comes forward and he says, you know, hey, look, I've been in here 40 years. I know my pastor and I know this. Look, just leave me alone. I'm going to go to church and do me. You sinner, you're not even in the church. So I'm, you know... And this is the strong man. This is what needs to be broken down, where people can receive the truth. You know, and what do we need to handle that? We need SWAT. 
I know that sounds funny, but we need SWAT. Special weapons and tactics. This is what we need to deal with this. We got to have our full armor. We have to seek the Lord. You know, now, um, how we break this down, or let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 9. I know we're running short on time. Anybody have any questions, anything they want to add? Uh, feel free to do so. Because, you know, this is something here where... Um, is it second Corinthians or first? Uh, first. Okay. You know, but this is something here where um, people will also believe you can't know God because you've got too much bass in your voice. <laughs> you know, oh yeah. There are people that will say, you know what, you hear how this guy's talking? See, that's not love. That's not the Lord. We're supposed to be feeling the love of the Lord. You know those guys, oh, brother, amen, you know, the love of the Lord, brother. And This is how some people think that this is what it's supposed to be like. So when they hear people actually saying, hey, repent, come to the Lord, you know, time is drawing nigh. You know, you, you'll go to hell if you don't. And you tell people this, oh, you see that? There's no love in that. They're just trying to scare me. So, you know, this is something that they're going to talk about real quick where... The Bible describes Jesus as being one who spoke with authority. They said, not like the scribes and Sadducees and Pharisees. So obviously they were ones that didn't speak with authority. They probably talked with a lot of those, you know, love messages. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind. I looked up that word effeminate. You know, um, this is what makes me believe Jesus was a real man. You know, a lot of people like to paint this picture of Jesus just being some, you know, long-haired hippie. And, you know, he's walking around with a flower and he just wants to hug you and caress you. And, you know, he probably spoke, you know, very soft. And the carpenter. The Lord. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, this is even a sin here for a man to act feminine. For a man to be, and it says here, if you look up the word soft, you know, like that's even considered a sin because God made men to be men, you know. But if, if you're women that are used to men that are feminine or feminine acting, that might be the only type of man you can tolerate, you know. So you find a lot of men get turned away, you know, because they're not soft enough. That's also another strong man. Because I believe when the word speaks to me, for me to show love, I would have to tell everyone here the truth. To me, that's love. That's charity. That's selflessness. Because when you bring forth this truth, you are going to get a backlash. No one in their right mind would want to do this. I mean, seriously, wouldn't you rather tell everybody what made them feel good so you can have a bunch of friends? <laughs> and that's why the Bible says friendship with the world is the enemy of God. Because there's no way to actually do that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way to be a friend of this world and, you know, you think people are going to like you. You want to know when you're really following the Lord? People will hate your guts. Absolutely. I'm telling you, just so everybody can be prepared ahead of time. Be prepared in this walk to lose certain friends. Mm -hmm. Because we're divided by spirit. Spirit is thicker than blood. Okay, so let's go to Romans chapter 8. 
This is what we need in our walk. You know, this is how we bind the strong man. This is how we do what we have to do to get closer in the spirit. What verse was it in Corinthians 9? What verse? Uh, 6 9. Oh, chapter 6. Yeah. Uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Now, this is a good one for walking in the Spirit, you know, seeking the Lord. And this also brings a clear distinction between believers and non-believers, or, you know, those that believe. Because some people will tell you, you know, the Lord loves you no matter what. He absolutely does. Some people will say the Lord will take you um, how you are. He absolutely will. But he will not leave you that way. He's going to do some work. He's going to reformat you. He's going to transform you from the inside out. Okay, chapter 1. I mean, um, Romans 8, chapter 1. Yeah, I mean, verse 1. <laughs> there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life is in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So, you know, there you have it there, the law. Don't let anybody push you back up under the law. A lot of people will tell you that. The written law, the law that was on the tablets, you know, the old Levitical law, that's the law that's supposed to be now in our hearts. We're supposed to follow the law of the Spirit. This is what the Bible is speaking about, not the regular law. That law was a schoolmaster to prepare you to get to the Spirit. It was never meant to keep you there. It could not be done. If you were caught in your sin, you were stoned. There was no second chance. There was no way to make that right. Before God started casting out demons, there was a death sentence for committing certain sins. Why? Because there was no way to remove that spirit from the land other than death. This is what Christ had presented. He brought the Holy Ghost. So this is now how we walk. You don't obey the, Lord of, the law of God now because you have to. You obey the law of God because you want to. This is where the transformation takes place. It's just like, um, like when we're out at Gresham Station, Sarah and I talked about it. You know, and the Bible says the law was made for unrighteous man. You know, we go walking in those stores for a regular routine walkthrough, and you automatically see the people that are there trying to steal. You can spot them a mile, you know, right away because they're looking at you, and they look sketchy. Oh, what are they doing in here, you know, or whatever, because why? They're up to no good. This is what the law was made for, those that are up to no good. When you walk in the spirit of the law, like if you haven't committed any crimes and you see the police going up the block, you know they're not coming after you. You haven't done anything, you know? But if you are living unrighteous, now you have to wonder, wait a minute, I know I just stole something. Are the cops coming after me or are they just passing by? Right, you know? So that's the difference between the schoolmaster, the law, and the spirit. You obey the spirit because it's what you want to do. Because you've been touched in the spirit to where you follow the Lord. Yeah, you already know you're wrong. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay, so 
You walk not after the flesh, but in the spirit. This is verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. Now, anybody understand what that means? Hold up. Anybody else, like, uh, understand, for they that are after the flesh walk in the flesh, but they that are after the spirit mind the things of the spirit. Yeah, there's, there's truth in that because it's like, again, like I hate to talk about Beyonce again, but if you mind the things of the world, if you mind certain types of music and things, this is where you're going to be centrally focused. Mm-hmm. So you can't follow the Lord if you're in the world because, you know, you're getting a little bit here and you're getting a little bit there. God doesn't work with divided attention. He'll speak to you when your attention is on Him. You can't serve two masters. Exactly. Right away. You know, amen. <laughs> you know, so... When you're after the Spirit, you mind the things of the Spirit. And this is how strongholds get broken, because you're now following the Lord. You're not worrying about other things. But why this is so important, we'll go into 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is like natural minded, sensual. You can't say things to me because it, it hurts my feelings. What if what I had to tell you was the truth? You know, this is how you break down strongmen. But they're saying it's life. If I tell everybody in this room, hey, there's a train coming through this door in in two minutes. If you believe me, you'll move. If you don't believe, you'll stay right where you are. If the Lord Lord tells you there's certain things that you need to do because this is going to destroy you, and you follow that, then you'll have life. If you don't, you'll stay right where you are. So that's why they mean to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. You're obeying the Lord, you're going to have life from it. Not just this one, but the next one to come. All right? Um, Let's see. Seven. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Why we have such a tough walk? why we go back into our sins, why we end up being housed by seven more demons. And you're like, man, to follow Christianity, to follow the Lord, this is so hard. You know why? Because you're not giving it to him. You're carnally minded. You have to be spiritually minded to walk this thing out. If you are carnally minded, you are the enemy of God. That is a fact. Now, the churches will never tell you this. You know, some will. But you got others that will tell you, no, you know, um, you know, just praise the Lord. Um, you know, have you been baptizing you? Yeah, yes. Well, tell the devil to stop bothering you then. You know you're a believer in Christ. Are you really? Are you taking this walk? You know? So let's go into uh, 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Look at this. Even our, even our greatest righteousness or things that we think we're doing for the Lord, if we are in the flesh, we cannot please him. Now, this is not me speaking. Okay, if you got a problem, take it up with Paul who got inspiration from the Lord. This is not me. Now, some people will say, now, this would be a strong man. Well, nobody can tell me what I believe because I believe in the Lord. And I don't care. I'll, I'll listen to whatever I want to. And I can, you know, the Lord will forgive me. See, now, I'm not saying this. This is in the Bible. So if you're feeling that way, there's a strong man there. I didn't quote this. You know, I'm just reading from someone else's writings. It's still like you're saying, I hold on to it. 
What's that? You still like your sin. You want to hold on to it. Exactly. You know? So, I mean, that's what the strong man is about. So it goes into um, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. So if Christ is in you, the body's dead. Anybody understand what that means? You're in the spirit at that point. Exactly. Meaning like, you know, and you know, you know, you can go down to the morgue. When you're dead to this world, you can kick a body, do whatever you want to it. That body has nothing to do with the affairs of this life. That body is dead to sin. Dead to the affairs of the world. This, as Christians, is how we're supposed to be, unless we're doing the will of God. But either way, we're supposed to crucify our flesh. When Jesus said that he who will follow me will deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This flesh is a nasty thing that a lot of us are used to. But this flesh will never allow you to get close to God. It won't. You can't feed this flesh. How do you get rid of the flesh? You fast. You pray. You seek Him. Your spirit will get stronger. Try fasting. Try fast one or two days, like, you know, or you eat at night or whatever, or eat very little for two days. And you'll start to see how mind, how clear your mind and your spirit will come to the Lord. You'll have greater understanding. And it also destroys lust. When you are destroying the flesh, the desire for certain lust that we met, you might have had, they start to go away because they no longer have that lock on you like they would if you were in the world. So fasting and prayer is important. There are other ways of fasting that don't have anything to do with food. You can stop watching TV, stop watching certain programs, cut out certain worldly things, you know, seek the Lord, spend time with him alone. That's another way to fast. And you'd be surprised how much will come to you because you're now getting rid of some of the things of this life, things that you hold so special to you. Does everyone understand that? Mm -hmm. All right. I just want to add that you know, yeah. it doesn't mean that you need to go to purgatory and like you know, really <laughs> beat up your body. Right. Bad. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, now that's something, that's a Catholic doctrine. But if you say that to people, they will get offended and they'll be a strong man. Right. Well, my grandmother did this, you know, and, and it really can be a touchy subject. So along these lines, I try and be very careful because some people, they don't want to imagine, you know, my grandmother, she died crutching the, you know, clutching the cross, you know, rosary, rosary beads or whatever, while she was dying. You know, some people would hate to imagine that that's what went down. But you can't let the strong man get to you. God will judge them that are alive and them that die. But one thing we have to do is we have to be sure. We have to seek him. We have to make sure that we're in, that we're going, you know, because there are a lot of people that think that they're going and they're not. Jesus says, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go therein. When he says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth to eternal life, and few there be that find it. He didn't say some. He said few. So the numbers are not going to be broad that are going into the kingdom of heaven. We have to make sure our election is sure. Now, why a lot of people won't go? Strong man. 
You know, I'm not going to believe what you said. I'm not going to believe it, even if it's written right in this book. I'm going to believe that a loving God that I that I love would never send someone to hell. My grandmother told me that. My pastor told me that. My friends have told me that. So I'm going to believe that God would never send anyone to hell. And I'm going to just live the way that I want to live because I believe God loves everybody. He does. But if you go to hell, it's not going to be because of what he's done to you. It's what you chose not to do. It's what you didn't want to do. It has nothing to do with God. He'll still love you. But he has his commandments, things that he wants us to do. There's a reason for it. Seek him. Get strong in him. You'll understand when you're in the spirit. If you're in your carnal mind and flesh, you cannot understand the things of God. His thoughts are higher than ours. We're not compatible with him. We won't have that understanding. You know, so if anybody understands this, I want to go into Romans 12 real quick to um, talk about how we also get in that mindset. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I'll tell everyone here, if you ever fail the Lord, don't ever stop trying. Mm -hmm. Don't ever let the enemy tell you and lie to you that what you've done is too much that he can't forgive you. Don't ever stop trying. Don't ever say, I've gone too far. You know, as long as you have a conscience, as long as you're in the Lord, and you make that right with him before you leave this world, you know, before that time capsule that we're in ends, you make sure that you make it right with him. Don't ever stop trying. We are going to fail him. We are flesh. There are things that we need to do. Now, what I'm speaking about in Romans 8 and Romans 6, that's on a higher level, but it's a gradual stage. The Lord knows that you're coming, but don't ever stop trying for him. Do what he tells you to do. If you should fail him, you get back on and you keep going. Don't ever stop. Because that is the biggest lie that Satan loves to use. I was doing good for a few months. I failed. And now I'm finished. Who's going to want me? The church won't want me. Wait till they find out what I've done. And you know something? You got some church people that will condemn people. You tell that person you sin, they look you up and down. And look at this guy. You know, you're going to walk with us now after what you've done? Not even realizing they just left the strip joint the night before. You know, so this is, you get a lot of hypocrisy, but when you build a relationship with the Lord, he's the only one that you've sinned against. He's the only one that you need to make it right with. You know, it's about the Lord. That's the only one that you owe that to. That's the only one. You don't have to confess what you've done to a person. Confess it to the Lord, and the Lord will turn your heart back to that person to ask for forgiveness. But it starts with him, you know, and this is how we get there. Uh, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. We're not even doing that right now. This isn't saying this is all you need to do. This is reasonable. And we can't even do this. You know, so you really do have to walk in the spirit and get closer to him. But you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is how you destroy the flesh. This is how you keep strongholds from being built and they're torn down. These are this is SWAT. These are the special weapons and tactics that you use to get free. You know, this is how it's done. 
All right, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the only way to achieve that is, again, your bodies as a living sacrifice, dying out to the flesh, receiving the, word, the Lord. Don't conform to the things of this world. This is how you become free. This is how you understand the will of God. This is how you don't feel like you're laboring to try and do things for the Lord. You're going to do them because you want to, because you're one with him. You know, it's just like if you have, um, and you know, some people find this is really being hard, but it's just like if you try and charge up your car, you know, with a terminal hook, you know, you always have in every battery, positive and negative. Sometimes it is good to hear the positive things of the Lord. You know, they encourage you. But it's good to hear the negative, too, just in case you think about going off track. Mm -hmm. You know, it's good. You have too many sweets, you get cavities. But they talk about getting into the Word of God. This is how, you know, you do it. This is how you get there. You accept Him. You know? So we'll go into three. But you see the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? You get into the Word of God. This book, if anyone wants to call it a book, they're welcome to do so. This is a living, breathing organism. Mm -hmm. This book is alive. This book has had prophecies that went on in the world hundreds of years before they have come to pass. Only God can do a thing because he sees the beginning from the end. That's why he's the book of Daniel was written in about 500 or 550 B.C., he spoke about wars with Alexander the Great and the Persian army and all these things that came around 325 B.C. The Battle of Gargamela, which some people go into and they talk about that, that's in um, Daniel chapter 8. That'll tell you how Alexander, what actually gave Alexander the power to beat the Persian army. You know, some people think it's just this book is just some old religious book. This book contains the answer to everything that you need. When you read this, your mind will, will start to transform. There are things, there's a consciousness that you'll become aware of that will change you as an individual for the Lord. You know? John 1 1 in the beginning was the Word. Yes, Christ is the Word, beloved. That's right. I just want to say thank you for the part that you put out about, um, about don't ever give up, you know, you know, I mean, as far as like, you know, don't let anything hinder you from, from your repentance or because we can get so consumed with shame and guilt and bad and naughty, you know, in our own minds, you know, and, and that's just, you know, we forget how gracious God is. And it's like, but the shame will keep us from even going and be like, father, forgive me when all he's waiting, he's in there with his arms wide open, just waiting for us, you mm -hmm. know? But we oh, yeah. forget because we get so caught up in the other that God is gracious, you know. Right. You, you know, want to feel guilt. You want to feel guilt from the Holy Spirit. Does that mean that He hasn't given up? Right, but not guilt to, to keep you away. Well, there's you a know? difference. Well, let, let's make a distinction here. Um, guilt comes from the Holy Ghost. Shame comes from Satan. All right. Guilt is the type of thing that'll make you say, "I made a mistake." Shame will tell you, "I am my mistake." There's a difference. You you feel hopeless when you're in shame. When you're in guilt, I made a mistake. I'm going to make this right with the Lord, and I'm going to go forward. Shame. Why even try? Um, look how filthy and nasty. Exactly. There you go. 
That's right. And also, like on a more positive note of that, it's like you really have to thank God for already, you know, for already have forgiven of all your sins because there's scripture that says you've already been, for, you know, all these sins have been forgotten, so you don't have to really always ask for forgiveness. You just obviously you should, but you've already been forgotten. So that's, I mean, how nice is that? Is well, that, yeah, <laughs> when you repent, right, He will throw your sins in the sea of forgetfulness. I mean, the Lord does not like us. Somebody wrong you, you'll be, oh, I forgive you. But then the moment you do something wrong, oh, but that day when I gave you $15 and you turned around and gave it to somebody else. See, God's not on that level, you know. His level is, hey, you know what, you committed whatever, you've done it, you asked me to forgive you, it's over with. He won't even remember it. He's not like you and I, I'll tell you, you know. Um, we're going to um, end it, but let's go into, um, I want to explain something real quick about Romans chapter 1. We'll start in verse 20 because we don't just get a stronghold just because, you know, it just stumbles upon us one day. There's a level that we go to that ends up making us like that, okay? You fall further and further into sin as you um, go in your, you know, as you continue on that path. And this is how strongholds are built. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, okay? Okay. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they were without excuse. You know one of the reasons you can't see the things of God that are clearly seen is because you have things of this world like scientists, like politicians, like people in the education world that will tell you something is that really isn't. Now, what if you grew up in that world believing that? So then if someone tries to come with you with a Bible story, you automatically will say, well, everybody knows that evolution is for real. So what do you mean God created the trees and all these things? Well, then you got to ask them, how did order come out of disorder? There's no way in the world that that can happen. Everything that's done in this world, well, this is where the evolution is messed up because... There has to be a why in every creation, in everything that is. You don't just come from a big bang and then all of a sudden you're here. Yep. There has to be a why. You developed eyeballs, why? We're having Bible study here, why? We're why? We have this TV in here, why? There's always a why behind something is. So, you know, don't let people tell you your slime that's washed up on the beach you know, uh, the love life, a creation of the love life of a one or two-celled amoeba. Just some slime that just washed up. And then all of a sudden, oh, you got fingers, you got toes. When a scientist or you know, uh, will tell you that the eyeball is more complex than a jet airplane, you know, than a space shuttle, just the eye itself. But you're going to tell me that came from nowhere. So we're walking <laughs> around blind. And, of course, we have to find something to eat. And someone to reproduce with. And then all of a sudden we turn into this. And then we're amphibians. And then we're monkeys. And then somehow we're here. You know. And, and if we believe that. It takes more faith to believe in that nonsense. Than to believe that this world was created. When you can see intelligent design everywhere. So this is why you can't see the things that should be clearly seen. Because we're brainwashed right from the womb. And where, yeah. are, all the, where are all the transitional uh, things between the like people and whatever it was. Right. There should be like a man fish someplace. In the exactly. <laughs> you know, but somehow everything, like the Bible says, we More produce. Yeah. Exactly. 
She could pull a bunch of them floating around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, so this is why it's difficult for us to see certain things because we've been brainwashed. Verse 21. Uh, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. This is the mark of a stronghold. Okay? When they knew God, so this isn't talking about people that don't know him. When they knew him, they glorified him not as God, but became vain in their imaginations. Well, you know, I believe it was like this, so I want to take this on. And this is how strongholds are created. Okay, uh, verse 22. Listen to what the Bible says here. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You know, if a lot of archaeologists that have been fired for bringing forth the truth and the validity of the Bible, there's a lot of professors in the education world that know the truth that have discovered things that they'll never tell you and me because it means their job. You know how many secrets are out there that, you know, they know are real, but you see the agenda to have a worldwide demonic kingdom or a world without God because man is in his own lust. This is why we don't see a lot of things. Okay, but that's why it says professing themselves to be wise, they became fools because they come up with a lot of theory, a lot of ideas, a lot of things that they, oh, well, you know, if you look at this, you know, what about carbon dating? That crap doesn't work. Don't ever believe this world is millions of years old. Okay, they tried carbon dating on a, um, what was it, a, a woolly mammoth? Mm -hmm. They said that the tusks were uh, 10,000 years old, the uh, legs were, I think, 2,000 years old, and the skin was 26,000 years old. So it doesn't work. It's not accurate. It's a theory. But this is what they try and tell people. Okay, uh, let's see, 23. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible men and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So see, they changed who God was. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Now here we go. The lust of their own, you know, uncleanness. This is one of the first stages of where we go when you want to engage in sin. You want to be worldly. You want to be fleshly. You know, you end up unclean. You end up fornicating. You end up lying. You end up stealing. God gives you over to that for a season because he understands he's not going to violate your free will. He can advise that you don't do these things, but God will never violate your free will. He's not a controller and a dominator. And then it says, um, wherefore God also, oh, okay, 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator. There's your evolution. There's your new age world. I myself am God. I need no one. What does Jay-Z say? Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about me. You know, and that came from Aleister Crowley, and he received that message and in King Tut's tomb, he spent the night in there, and he had a demonic spirit come to him that was named Ewas. You guys can look this up yourselves. But this is where a lot of these false religions come from. It sounds a lot like Ewas. Yeah, right. Ewas. Okay, uh, who was blessed forever. Amen. Now you go into 26. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women... Uh, did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Now, you know, I want you guys to imagine on this because I don't want to really go deep into it. 
when you're in sin. Remember when you were in the world. You started out kissing and hugging. Next thing you know, you're fornicating. Then you become even more vile. Hey, why don't you try this? Think about what I'm saying. Unnatural use. Things that were natural are now unnatural. This is what's being done. You know, do I want to go into it? I'm wanting you guys to guess. But, you know, we're talking about things that don't belong in certain places. But this is now the new norm simply because this is where you're on your way. You've now gone from uncleanness to a vile affection, one that is not of God. Okay, and uh, yeah, 27. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense that their error which was meet. So it's like, okay, even though this may not seem right, I'm going to make it right because it feels good to me. You know, the majority of all sins come from pride, come from your own lust, come from selfishness. That's where 90-something percent of all sins come from, it being about me, what makes me right. Okay, um, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. A reprobate mind is a place that no Christian wants to go, or even an unbeliever for that matter, because reprobation means disqualification. It means you're disqualified. It's not a giving up. It's a God giving over. Okay, now that for a believer, you know, I believe that you can stay on the path, but it's just like if you take a woman that have, uh, I'm not even going to say a woman. You know what, guys? I'm being convicted right now. I'm going to tell you guys a little something that I did in my life that I regret, that I asked the Lord to forgive me on. But I think this is a good example to use this. Um, when I was about 19, you know, I was dating a girl. She was, you know, 18. Um, I was fornicating, and she ended up pregnant. And um, facing the fear that I had, and she herself, you know, feared the situation. We didn't want to tell our parents. We came up with the conclusion to get an abortion, you know. And I was 19, you know, a lazy, you know, good for nothing, wanting things my way, wanting to be able to, you know, escape the reality of responsibility. And I committed an abortion. You know, well, I didn't commit it, but... You know, she uh, wanted to do it. I was okay with that, you know, because I didn't want to face my fear. I murdered my own child, okay? This is something that I had done that, um, you know, I, I regret to this day that I wish that I had. But, you know, I began to think in that sense that, you know, even then it didn't really grip me. You know, I felt a sense of relief. Um, back in 2004... I met another woman, and, you know, we got together. Situation happened. Um, she didn't really want to have it, you know, me either. And we had another abortion. Now, the reason I brought this up is not to make people think lowly of me. I can mention that today because I know I'm not that way anymore. When the Lord changes a person, he changes you. But what I'm going to tell you is the second time that that had happened, second and last, you know, it was easier. 
because of the fact that I became vile in my sin, because I became um, not caring about these things. I had a spirit of murder. Now, did I physically go out and kill someone? No. But the second time around, it became easier to do a thing that was unnatural, that was ungodly, that wasn't even human. Who could think of murdering your own children? And I'm not bragging about that today. The Lord knows. I ask him to forgive me every day. I believe he's forgiven me. He's restored me. If I'm ever blessed with that again in my life, then so be it. But if I'm not, just know that I had my chances. And I don't fault God for that one bit. But what I'm saying is, as you go further into your sin, you drop down in levels. You start to become lower and lower. Exactly. Exactly. So... You know, the Lord has restored me from that. You know, I'm sharing that with you guys. It's not bragging. But, you know, that was a low point of my life where I did a thing like that just to show you, you know, that when you're in sin, it can drive you crazy. You'll go lower than you thought you ever could. Remember all the stuff you said that you would never do. You're now doing. At first, it was disgusting. Mm -hmm. Now, it's okay. You have a craving for it. You love it. Why? Because you are being transformed into what Romans 1 says. Uncleanness, vile affections, or reprobate mind. That can come upon you if you don't change your ways. You will become easier to slip back into sin and go lower. Yeah. Uh, just I know we got to wrap it up. I just yeah. want to give a, an example. Uh, when I was in high school, the first job I worked at was fast food. and I was raised in church, so... When I worked there, I started working around a group of people I really had never encountered before on my own, you know, and I didn't have supervision at the time outside of management, but my parents weren't there to tell me what to do and what not to do. And the other kids that I worked around, of course, you know, they had a mom and a dad, but their family situations were different than mine. You know, a lot of them were, at 17, were already smoking. At 17, you know, they had already had two or three girlfriends or boyfriends that they had slept with. You know, at 17, they were already, they had filthy mouths, and that, that's just life with me. And I wasn't strong in my faith at that point. So being around that, you know, like every weekend, eventually, you know, I wanted to curse, but I was almost afraid to do it. And then the first time I said a curse word, I was shocked. But the more I was around it and the more I wasn't uh-huh. convicted by it, the more I wanted to do it. And before you know it, I was cursing, and then I started, Yeah, you know, it's a second language. At that yeah, point, you don't even care. It feels normal. Right. I mean, it doesn't feel right to not curse, exactly. you know? So, I mean, that that's a sort of thing. Right. That's a good example that can come upon a but person. But stop there. I mean, I didn't go, like, into, into like, far worse sins, and that would be later on. But, you know, <laughs> you know, I kissed a guy I didn't know, you know, that I worked with. And, you know, he, he wasn't living right. But it was just that one, letting that one sin in. One sin will lead to another sin will Satan, like you said, Satan will take you farther than where you, farther oh, yeah. than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. That's right. I heard our Pastor David Langford say, sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. It'll cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is a fact. And, um, you know, um, So, I mean, you know, aside from all this, everybody understands what the strong man is. You know, hopefully um, everybody got something from that because it it hits on so many different levels. 
as far as not wanting to hear truth, you know. And, and I always try to encourage people, if you don't believe, then you know what, just test it out. Just see if what I'm saying is not true. You know, you've got to break that strong, man, because when you don't accept knowledge of the Lord, he will stop talking to you, okay? He'll leave you alone for a while. Okay, you don't have time for me now? Okay. But when you're ready, you know, then I'll, then I'll show you all truths. I'll bring you into all righteousness. But you first have to seek him. You've got to be willing to offer yourself to him. That's the only way he can work for you. You know, and even in our sins, we're all here today. Because the Lord made it possible. Now think about when you didn't know him. Think about when you sinned in front of him and you did all these things. He still had the grace enough to keep you alive long enough to hear the truth. That is the God we serve. That's the real Lord. You know, he didn't take you in your sin. He gave you a chance to hear the truth. You know, so um, if everybody, anyone has any questions um, about the strong man, you know, again, you can message me. You know, we can talk about it, whatever. But hopefully everyone understands what that is, what Jesus was referring to. You know, these type of things keep us from truth. So um, if that's it, I'm sorry to hold you guys so long. But, you know, we just uh, hopefully everyone got something from it. So if so, we can pray out right now. Anybody want to pray? Take it, Sarah. Lord, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to thank you for another time that we had to fellowship with you, dear Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity that we had tonight for a body of believers to come together once again. Lord, you have provided us every time with a place to fellowship, with a place to worship. Lord, we know that the attacks of the enemy are real. Lord, but we have to understand what those attacks are. Lord, we have to have our head on a swivel in this spiritual warfare to see those attacks of the enemy. Lord, he has tried to come against this Bible study. Lord, he has tried to bring diversity in this Bible study. But Lord, as your word says, those that really want to hear the truth, those that want to dive into your word, those that want to hear your word, dear Lord, those that want to be a part of the truth, Lord, those that want to be a fellowship with you, Lord, they will stay in and they will understand that truth. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit has come upon every person in this room tonight. I pray that every person in this room tonight, dear Lord, will walk away. I pray that the word that was preached tonight, dear Lord, everyone takes it home and they, di they digest it. They understand what was said, dear Lord. Lord, we are living in the beginning of the end times. We have got to understand, dear Lord, what is going on. Lord, we have got to stay closer to you. We have got to stay communing with you, dear Lord. I pray that everyone in, to the, in this room today, Lord, whatever walk of life that they are in, that they will come to you, dear Lord, that they will give you their everything. Lord, if someone in this room, if all of us in this room tonight, dear Lord, if we're being convicted and led to pray and fast, dear Lord, I pray that we would do so. Lord, I pray that no one would ignore that because, as your word says, these only come out by prayer and fasting. Lord, the flesh is only killed through prayer and fasting. Lord, we have got to get rid of these demonic entities that live in us, that have housed in us, dear Lord. And the only yes, way that Lord. we can do that is if we, if, if we give our everything to you. Lord, you are the only one that can cast out demonic presence that are in our lives. Lord, I pray that whoever in this room tonight, myself included, if we, any of us in this room tonight have a strong man built up inside of us, Lord, I pray that you would break that strong man down. I pray that whatever pride we have in our life, that you take it away, Lord, that you would humble us today. Lord, if anyone in this room has a 
has an issue with a family member that's bringing them the truth, Lord, break that strong man down. Lord, if anyone has an issue with the word that was brought today, I pray that you would break that strong man yes, down, Lord. Lord. If there's pride in our life, dear Lord, you can't fill us up with us. You want that pride to be broken down. Lord, all you want is our attention. All you want is us, dear Lord. And I pray, dear Lord, anyone, everyone in this room tonight, I pray that we would live right in your sight. I pray that we would be clean vessels fit for the master to use, Lord. I pray that we would stay on our knees. I pray that if anyone in this room tonight has issues with sin, if all of us, myself included, whatever issues of sin, dear Lord, that we have in our life, I pray that we would come humbled before you, that we would give it to you, dear Lord, so you can clean us up, so you can use us, Lord, so we can be those people that you want to send out, Lord, that we hear your voice and you can tell us where to go, who you want us to talk to. Lord, help us all in this room tonight to be evangelists. Whoever has issues with speaking, dear Lord, with, with getting up in front of people, Lord, help us to not trust in ourselves, but to trust in you. Yes, Lord. As your word says, he that, he that trusts us in you, dear Lord, Lord, we cannot place our trust in man. We have got to place our trust in you. Lord, you are the only one that can lead us. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by you. Lord, I pray that you would help everyone in this room tonight to understand that. If anyone has questions in this room tonight, dear Lord, about their life, about their walk, about whoever, about per people that they are with, I pray, Lord, that you would come upon them tonight. I pray that you would guide and direct them through our, all of our decisions tonight, dear Lord. I pray that everyone in this room would come to you tonight, humble before you, seeking you, dear Lord. Lord, I thank you for this day that you've given to us. I thank you for this time of fellowship. Lord, you're the only one that has put breath in our lungs. And I pray that every day, dear Lord, we thank you. That we give you all the praise, the thank glory, and the Jesus. honor and thanks for everything that you've done for us. Lord, I thank you for not taking in me and my sin. And I pray everyone in this room would help them understand, dear Lord, that your grace came upon them, that you didn't take them in their sin. Lord, that you gave us all another opportunity to come to you to get it right. Lord, I thank you for all the things that you've done for us. I pray that you would help us all to understand the spiritual warfare that we must walk in. I pray that we would take on the full armor of God. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everything that you've given to us. Watch over us this evening. Give everyone safety of travel. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Oh, my eyes are like closed for like 15 minutes. <laughs> I couldn't stop. No, that's fine. You don't that's have fine. to. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.